Now this morning, for that short time which they have allotted me, I'm going to talk to you. I have more notes than I need, of course. But I thought it, I would like to continue on some of the themes I've been speaking to you on. And the theme that I'd like to mention this morning especially is in reference to Ezekiel 37. We've been in Revelation and we're closing in on the final scenes of man's government. And I think it's, it's well that we realize that uh, God has set down a definite, very definitive plan for mankind. I don't want to talk about the ages past right now, but especially beginning with the age of grace in which we are at the present moment. This is the age of God's great grace to mankind. God's grace is his unmerited favor, his message of salvation to all men that they may be saved. For God hath given Jesus Christ a name that is above every name. And whosoever will may be saved, may come to him, may receive him as personal Savior, may have their sins forgiven. And when I say that, it doesn't matter what your sin has been. It doesn't matter how deep it's been. It doesn't matter how deep the the guilt complexes of your life are. Psychiatrists may assist in relieving the anxieties of the mind, but only Christ can forgive sin. So that no matter how deep they are, how far you feel you've gone from God, you can find forgiveness in the blood of Jesus Christ. You can be cleansed from all sin. We as a people ought to recognize that. That there is no other base for forgiveness except in the blood of Jesus Christ. And as we come to Ezekiel 37, God is going to speak about certain things about Israel. For Israel is God's time clock of the ages. We can discern the closeness of the coming of Christ by the position of Israel in relation to the world and to its enemies. Its enemies must have of a certain character. Its enemies must be primarily Arabian. Egyptian. Its enemies, according to God's holy word, will be backed up by Russia and the powers of the Northern Confederacy. This I will speak about at a later time. But all of the plan of God, the panoramic plan of God from the very beginning, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, 
God knoweth all things. He's omniscient and omnipresent. Remember, he knoweth all things. He knows the end from the beginning. And he has a specific plan for mankind which nothing can change. The earth was only put here and put into orbit around the sun and in the midst of the planets for one specific purpose. No one in the image of God dwells any other place in the universe. Man is his specific creation, and earth was put into orbit for only one purpose, and that was that God should place upon this earth that one created in his own image, and yet the one who fell, and then supply the redemption to bring him back to himself, so that out of earth he might gather a family for himself for all eternity to enjoy the universe as his family. And that's all. You're not here to make money, though you need it to eat. You're not here to build big corporations, though they exist. You're not here for any of these purposes. What is the chief end of man? To worship God. And God is a jealous God and will have no other gods but himself. And so we sit in this peculiar position this morning unless we understand this, unless we deeply within ourselves realize that this is the only purpose of God. We're not here for any other purpose. You would think so if you look at the world. Men have all kinds of ideas of why they're here. To attain to power, to attain to fame, to attain to this or to attain to that. The only attainment God is interested in is your attainments as a born-again Christian in love with Jesus Christ. And what you as mothers and fathers and sons and daughters have done together. And that is all. Mark this. It's most important. Otherwise you understand nothing when we speak of God being all in all. And when we speak of being complete in him. You see, that is what it's saying. There's no completeness outside of Christ because any soul upon the earth without Christ the Savior can't be complete because all they're doing is coming into a world as a creature having not found that way which is to life eternal and then being departed from God for all eternity and his family being joined to him through that simple faith in Jesus Christ. And so this is the great purpose of God. What a glorious purpose. Aren't you glad you're in it? I tell you, I, hot or no hot, I'm rejoicing. And, and that's so precious and so wonderful. You know, e even though the heart, my heart has had troubles, I still tingle. I used to think if your heart, you know, had a lot of heart trouble or something, maybe you wouldn't tingle anymore about Jesus Christ but I still tingle about the Lord. 
When I say these things to you, you don't know how I feel. I get that feeling running up and down my spine, you know, of how precious it is to know the Lord Jesus as personal Savior. And so this is the divine purpose of God. Now, I'm setting this as a background just as I read Ezekiel 37 to you, the first to the 14th verses, because Israel here is a good picture of the church today, really, dead, dead men's bones. They're returning to the land, and this is precisely what God is speaking about here. Ezekiel 36 shows God prophesying that Israel would be drawn back to the land. But I want you to notice how they come back. The hand of the Lord was upon me, 37th chapter of Ezekiel, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. He's speaking of Israel now. And I want you to think now, the Jews going back to Palestine, going back to Israel, going back to Jerusalem, and God says they're very dry. Jehovah is not the one that they credit with this coming back to the land at all. If you listen to their leaders, they'll talk about their might and their power and how they have attained to these things. And God says they're very, very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. All right, let me stop there a minute. I'd like to read further, but I think here a few things should be said about Israel, the return to the land, and something about their background, because it's very important. I won't walk out too far. Uh, it says here that they were very dry. Now, I don't know whether you're a dry Christian this morning. I, I want to be frank. They're of the house of Israel. They're an earthly people. And we're the spiritual people of God. Israel has certain earthly promises, and we have heavenly promises. Israel is promised one day that they shall be those that shall rule the earth with their king upon the throne, the king of kings and the lord of lords of the line of David, that during the millennial kingdom of the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, they shall be the ones gathered around him to rule, and that ten Gentiles shall consider it an honor to just carry the skirt of a Jew. They're a strange people. God has called them out individually, but they're so dry. Today, if you talk to the average Jew, he talks of ethics. He doesn't talk of Jehovah. Oh, here and there you may find a fervent Jew, but most of them talk about ethics. It's good to be ethical. And here they've said that they're very dry and God says to this one, notice now, 
how he says it. He says here in, 37th, in the 37th chapter, He said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Now I have to say this, that this would be the way we react many times. I know how I've reacted sometimes. And if God comes to us, here's where faith really comes in. Here you, let's, let's say you have, here you have a loved one that's very, you, you want so much to come to Jesus Christ. Or you have a friend that you've been testifying to. I pray you've been testifying for Jesus Christ. You know, on Christmas Eve, I, I, I've said that thing that's kept going through my mind all the time since. Everyone win one in 71. For that to be the slogan of your heart for the year. Everyone win one in 71. And you yearn so deeply in your heart. And after years of prayer sometimes, if God were to come to you and say to you, John, Mary, whoever it may be, can these bones live? Now, the inclination of the human heart is to say, I doubt it. Not after all of the testifying I've done, not after all the times I've spoken to them about Jesus, not all the times I've prayed that the Holy Spirit will really deal with their hearts. I don't know how, God, they can ever live. I've watched them. I've testified, they've ridiculed me. They've actually hated me because I have talked about you to them. That can happen in your office, let me say that. That can happen in your family. And you say to God, God looks down and he says, Now John, Martin, can these bones live? And you've looked around. He says, walk around them. Get a good look at them. Notice how he says that. Walk all around and look at them. And you walk around the person in your mind, you know, and you think, oh, how could it ever happen to them? Let me tell you, there are people here that were prayed for for 25 and 35 years and are sitting here this morning because they found Christ as their personal Savior after the prayers of loved ones for years and years and years and years and found Christ as personal Savior. And God says, can these bones live? And I want to tell you, only faith can answer what this answer was. Thou knowest. That's amazing. Only faith answers that way. The heart of flesh doesn't answer that way. The heart of flesh is liable to say, listen, I have prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed, but nothing happens. Nothing happens. But the heart of faith, when God asks that question, do you think this one can really be saved? Listen, if I were to ask you this morning, how many of you gave up on some members of your family? How many of you gave up on some friends and have ceased your testimony for Jesus Christ and have ceased your prayer life for them to bring them to the Lord Jesus? We'd be amazed at the number who have loved ones they don't even think about anymore 
because they believe they're dry bones and they'll never live. But the heart of faith looks up to God and says, God, thou knowest. That keeps you going. For only God looks upon the heart. He doesn't look on the outward things. He looks upon the heart. And maybe at that very moment where you're inclined to give up is the precise time that God is going to use you to win that soul for Jesus Christ. Thou knowest. Son of man, can these bones live? Yes, they can live. Israel is returning to the land, dead. Dead, no life in them. But the background of Israel, if we understand what happened to them, that their existence as a nation is dependent entirely upon God, how it should convince us that our salvation is absolutely secure in Jesus Christ. Because this nation, which could have been cast aside very easily by God because of their failures, God has preserved very, very carefully. Let me read to you just one or two verses about this nation so that you understand their background. Jeremiah 30, 11. You don't have to turn if you don't want. I'll just read it to you. For I am with thee, he's speaking to Israel, saith the Lord, to save thee. Though I make a full end of all the nations, whither I have scattered thee, yet will I not make a full end of thee, but I will correct thee in measure and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. Or in Deuteronomy 7, in the sixth verse, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord, Thy God, the Lord thy God, hath chosen thee, Israel, to be a special people unto himself, above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Let us never make a mistake here. The United States is not the favored one. Above all the people upon the face of the earth. Now notice, the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because ye were more in number than any people for ye were the fewest of all people but because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers. Now Israel is in a very peculiar position. If I were to look, you know, at newspapers today and these things and pull out some of the things I see here. Newsweek, a while ago, you know, shows the whole world. It's a bomb. And it has the fuse, and the fuse is burning low. And then all it says is this. It has to do with Israel. Danger. Highly explosive. The world. I'm sure that they don't do it because of prophecy. I'm sure that's not the thought that they have, that it's prophetic what they're talking about. But it is precisely that. 
And the reasons for it, beloved, are much deeper than the political things which we might seek to put our hands upon. Because you remember, he says, I made these promises to your forefathers that I would preserve you. And though they have suffered because of their disobedience down through the years, yet has God done wondrous things with them and preserve them for a specific purpose. And the purpose was that the seed would come to whom the promise was made, and Paul says that seed was Christ. And the Jewish people are the ones of the lineage of whom we come to Jesus Christ. So God preserved them, he says, I will preserve you, and if all the nations of the world were to disappear, I'll preserve you. Because out of you will he come who is to be the deliverer of mankind. And so from the very beginnings, God had his purposes as he began with Abraham. And the great problem now that we have in the world as we look at Israel is all involved not with politics but with a family. It's involved with a family situation that is very difficult to be settled. And you know yourselves, if you have problems in your families, they are the most difficult to be settled. The problems between brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and sons and daughters, these are the problems that you find are the most difficult. You may be able to settle your problems with your friends, but when it comes within that little family circle, the problem becomes most difficult. And the problem now that the world is trying to settle in the United Nations, that the world is trying to settle politically, is the great bomb, as we saw here, that is going to explode one day after the church has been translated, raptured, taken out, and caught up to be with their Lord. And all of the signs point to that day of the great explosion. Newsweek puts it on the front of their magazine. You'd almost think God had taken the hand of the artist and had him draw it on one of the most popular magazines so that the world would see, this is for me. The world has gone too far. He says, I warned you as it was in the days of Noah, so should it be in the day of the Son of Man. Men's hearts thought evil continually and the floods came. I warned you and you would not listen. And seeing all things beforehand according to my foreknowledge, I planned that Christ should come before and in the last day should gather out a people called by his name. And all the Jews and their sacrifices of the little lamb would look to the coming of the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world and establish a new generation, a regeneration, who would be my children and who would abide with me forever. But the problem is not political. The problem is family. And we're not going to settle it no matter how hard we try. I hate to tell you this, beloved. I hate to tell you that the United Nations is going to be a colossal failure. It breaks my heart to tell you this, that the United Nations is not going to settle the problems of the world. 
that it will only be settled by the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that Jesus Christ has the only answer, and that answer it can only be found in faith in him, and that the problem is family, and that more blood is shed in families than in any other condition because of the battles that exist. And this family had a terrible battle from the very beginning, and now it's coming to fruition. And God predicted it all down through the Scriptures because Abraham was disobedient. I see they have the red light on me here, which tells me that I have preached near 25 minutes. But I just have a few things more I want to say. Abraham made the colossal mistake of not listening to God. And because of what Abraham did, this whole world at this present moment is nearly in flame. Because God promised to Abraham a son should come forth. And that son would be born of Sarah. And that in that seed, every nation of all the earth would be blessed. And if you trace the lineages of Matthew and Luke, you find that that seed that came down through Abraham and Sarah and Isaac is the seed that led to Christ, the Redeemer of the world. But Abraham couldn't wait. And after he waited a while, his wife Sarah said to him, why don't you go into Hagar, my Egyptian maid, and have a child by her? Apparently, she didn't have to coax him too much, if I might say that. Because in a very short time, he had a child, and that child was Ishmael. And Ishmael is the father of all the Islamic Arabic tribes. So that Abraham is in the Koran, 181 times as their father, all Mohammedans, and Abraham is called the father of the faithful to the Jew and to the Christian, and that here are the two children, Isaac, through whom the seed should come, to whom the promise was made, and Ishmael, the father of the Islamic tribes, And here this great family feud has grown and grown and grown and grown until now in the last days God said it would come to a final pinnacle and all hell will break loose upon the earth and that the Arabs would seek support from other nations in the northern parts to descend upon Israel 
And as Ezekiel 36 says, to take a spoil, and Ezekiel 38, to take a spoil for themselves. And beloved, this is all heading up into the greatest conflict that man has ever seen. And all of the work of the United Nations, and all of the work of the nations in trying to stop this, the problem we have is not Vietnam as deep and as terrible as that is, and my heart breaks over that. The problem the world faces is right in that little spot on this globe called Israel. And it is there that God is going to settle all of his claims and his judgments upon the nations. And there, Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the great captain of our salvation, shall win the battle one day, finally, against all the nations that shall come in to take Israel. It's coming. It's coming. But I want to tell you something, that the coming of that great battle means one thing. The coming of the Lord is nigh for his church. Are you part of that church? Are you? Are you part of that group that shall be raptured up and taken to be with the Lord? For we know that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the clouds in the air and then shall we ever be with the Lord. Second Thessalonians, God hath not suffered us, the church, to see the wrath which is to come. Why? Because if you're saved, Christ dwells in your heart by faith, and the judgment of God can never fall upon his own Son again, and his Son dwells in your heart. So you must be taken out of the way before it comes. Politics can't settle it. Have men really ever been able to settle anything, beloved? Have they? The history of man, look at it. There have been in the last 100 years 726 plans for peace throughout the world. And what do we have? Conflict and war. Are you ready when Jesus comes? Are you dry bones this morning? Israel's dry bones back there in the land. Are you dry bones? The Holy Spirit of God can come upon you and give you new life in Jesus Christ. Oh, how I pray that you'll recognize that God has a purpose. And out of all that's happening in this world, God is getting a people to be called by his name. That seed that should come and be the redeemer of the world has come. And you, you, he came for you. Do you really know him this morning? Do you? Will you escape the wrath which is to come? Hmm? It's simple. 
I wouldn't want to be here. I hope you wouldn't either. The time is short. Let us pray. Father, we do thank thee for thy precious word, blessed to our hearts. Lord, we recognize that what's going on over there is a family feud and that the disobedience of one man in the very beginning brought sin and the disobedience of Abraham has brought about tremendous conflict and yet all of this was foreknown by thee and out of it all you have one great joy of heart that Christ came, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior, to redeem the souls of men, that when this is all past, we will dwell with him. Oh, God, we're thankful that Paul tells us that the church is composed of a remnant of the Jews who've been saved and a portion of the Gentiles who've been saved. So, Father, bless all those here this morning, and may we truly love our Savior, Jesus Christ, and may the determination of our heart be if 71 really goes through as a complete year, may everyone win one in 71. In Christ's name we pray, amen.